Hello and welcome to Refreshingly Honest Christian. My name is David Metcalf, your host. Hello. Welcome back to the podcast. Here we are. I uh, This podcast, let me, let me tell you, it is one that I have been excited to release and a little bit nervous about. I don't know why, but uh, just also really excited for. I recorded this podcast quite a bit ago. If you know Joey Svensson, he was on the Bad Christian podcast for, gosh, I don't know how long, but for a very long time, which he is no longer part of. And we get into some of that. We talk about um, a little bit about his background and, and what led to that. And he has a podcast called Pastor With No Answers. And he recently, well, <laughs> at the, the time this podcast is coming out, uh, when we recorded this, he had a podcast uh, come out that said Repenting from Bad Christian, which we talk all about. And as a longtime listener of that podcast and uh, and all of that, that, that obviously intrigued me. And so we, we get into that. We talk about uh, a bunch of really good stuff. So I'm excited for you to get into it. But before we do, my friends, just want to let you know that we have an online store if you want to support the podcast, some pod swag, you can go to refreshinglyhonestchristian.com slash merch. We made some merch, and there's some good stuff in there. Pretty pretty happy with it, if I do say so myself. We've also got a Patreon, like everyone else. Uh, if you want to check that out, you can go to patreon.com slash refreshinglyhonestchristian. And uh, yeah, so there's that. Joey Svensson, he is... A podcaster, a pastor, pod pastor. He's a pod pastor, podcaster, pastor. <laughs> uh, he's a he's a really good guy, and I'm excited to release this episode. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Joey Svensson. Enjoy. So tell me where where are you where do you live? So I'm a Charleston boy, born and raised. Okay. And so outside of six years outside of Charlotte for college, and then two years of school teaching, and then one year of traveling around the country. We lived in Iowa some, Seattle some, all of that in one year. So outside of those seven years, I've been in Charleston my whole life. Okay. And I'm old school Charleston man, like. I, there's an old lighthouse that is no longer running. My uh, great-great-grandfather ran that lighthouse. There's the oldest church in Charleston, St. Michael's. The gate is is was made by one of my great-grandparents. So, like, I'm, I'm – ri- the older I get, the more proud I am of that because Charleston is just growing like crazy, and I'm like, I was here before all of y'all, and I'm better than all of y'all. <laughs> just wanted to make sure you know that. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> So you were in Seattle for a bit, because I just so you, just so you know, I've I've listened to Bad Christian for a long time, and uh, yeah, I always thought you guys or you were in Seattle. When, when did you move back? Well, see, what happened was a lot of people don't know this history, but originally I was in Emory, and That's we right. played one show in Rock Hill, South Carolina. That's where we were. It's a, right right outside of Charlotte, and so I was officially. In one Emory concert, it was like for our friends. It was in Matt and Devin's house. And I would say maybe two months after that show, we were all living in our homes with our parents, putting money aside for going to Seattle. And to this day, I really do feel like God just made it clear to me that that wasn't my path. Mm. And it really sucked because that was kind of my plan. That's what I had been counting on. Mm. But I just felt so sure. Now, looking back on all of that, I see how clearly that was not my path and just how things have lined up. I'm like, okay, that actually makes a whole lot of sense. Mm. But two years into our marriage, 
Priscilla and I both, Priscilla's my wife, we both decided, hey, let's let's be a little adventurous. Let's sell everything and just relocate. And so we thought East Coast, like Boston maybe, or then West Coast, Seattle. We thought, well, we've got a bunch of friends in Seattle. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. So it was actually 2000 and 2005. Yeah, 2005, February, we ended up in Seattle. And gosh, it was so crazy, man. It's like things just fell apart. Uh, we real we quickly realized this is not where we're supposed to be, but we had taken on some jobs. And so we asked the, our supervisor, Hey, what, what would be a good time commitment for us? And he kind of gave us, I think three or four months. So we were literally in Seattle for like four or five months. It was interesting too. Once we realized we were moving back to Charleston, we then enjoyed being in Seattle. But when we were kind of in the mind frame of this is our new home, just wasn't taking man. Yeah. Well, I'm also in the Northwest here. I'm in Bend, Oregon, uh, little old town. And, um, yeah, so you mentioned Emory, and it's so funny. So you work on staff at a church called Seacoast, right? Yep, yep, since yeah. 05, man, yeah. a long time. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Joey, I, I really relate to you on so much. So just so you know, I am one of those hardcore scene— I was a hardcore scene kid. Yeah. So that was always one of my favorite things with Bad Christian was like they had, you, you know— uh, is it tooth and nail? Is that the, mm-hmm. okay. So you, yep. you had like really good music, uh, was featured and, and you always had really interesting guests like Jake Lures from August Burns Red and, right. um, Aaron Gillespie, all these people. But anyway, that scene, it's just, it's so <laughs> specific and people who don't understand it, I'm sure you know this, but it's like, you know, people who don't get that world. It's like the people that do, like, you just have like a sense of, belonging or like a connection oh yeah yeah. I feel like I feel like we we as in like me and my brother and and some other people we had what you described in the mid to late 90s when tooth and nail was first birth it still amazes me how tooth and nail we just all knew it was something special and there was no internet Mm. like I literally remember the first release coming out it was called Pet the Fish by Wish for Eden. And I remember my brother saying, like, this is something special because we had been listening to Christian music, you know, our whole lives. And we found the really cool, obscure bands. But when Tooth and Nail came out, it was like, okay, something, this is real. Like, yeah. this is something really special. And then next thing you know, Starflyer 59 puts out their first album, Silver. Focus puts out their first album, Bow. And it's so crazy, but we would go to these shows and we would find tons of kids just like us who recognize this is something special. Yeah. And so I, I honestly, I wasn't really big into the tooth and nail scene, uh, in, in like in Emory's heyday, Emory by far was my favorite tooth and nail band. Like I just, I think that I was. I was listening to more off the beaten path, uh, emo stuff. Um, and, and my definition and my context of emo is very different from like under oath. Like right. I think bands like mineral and super old school, Jimmy world. And that's the kind of stuff that I was tracking with. I think by, by the early two thousands, it was like tooth and nail was moving on without, without me. <laughs> Cause I used to buy every single release on tooth and nail just because the name tooth and nail is what mattered. It was like, if they released an album, it's going to be good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and forgive me, I intentionally try not to do too much like preparation or research. Cause I just sure. want to hear straight from the horse's mouth. And in this case, you're the horse. Uh, I hope that's okay. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> but like, um, again, can I pick a different animal. Like, can I be, <laughs> yeah. can I be maybe like a bear? Yeah. You're a, uh, right. straight from the bear's mouth. Sweet. Dude, that's a lot better. New band name. <laughs> Let's start it. <laughs> no, but like, that's the thing is like, I don't know a lot of the as- associations. Like I, I know like, okay, tooth and nail, like that's somehow associated with bad Christian Emery. Like what's that whole thing? Is that like a record company that you guys like help start? Like what's that whole story? So you're talking about tooth and nail. Yeah. Tooth and nail. I mean, I don't even know the story to tell you. The yeah. Truth. Yeah. Well, well tooth and nail, 
No, I was in I was in high school when it started, and so that was started by a guy named uh, Brandon Ebel. Okay, I've always said Brandon Abel, but I think it may be Ebel, whatever. But he started that company out of his apartment, and it just grew like crazy. So there was no affiliation with Tooth and Nail outside of Emory being signed to Tooth and Nail, okay. which is a big, which is a big time affiliation, obviously. And then I know that Matt, I think he still is, but I'm not sure was kind of the mastermind and overseer of the labeled podcast, which okay. is all about Tooth and Nail and Tooth and Nail history. Gotcha. Bad Christian, as far as the music side of it, was basically just an independent deal with Matt and Toby's music, as well as other friends of theirs that wanted to do things complete DIY, like Matt from Classic Crime, you know, would release stuff on on Bad Christian. Mm. But yeah, that the affiliation with Tooth and Nail, outside of the fact that that was kind of their their family, so to speak, their musical family, they were signed to Tooth and Nail. Yeah. But yeah, we didn't have anything to do with okay. starting it. Okay. <laughs> See, yeah, that's, that's how ignorant I am. No, that's <laughs> so, all good. And another show of ignorance here as well is, so again, I just assume, and by the way, like I was like showing you my cool scene kid card there for a minute, like name dropping bands and everything. But I, I never like really listened to Emery, N- nothing against that but were you in that band yeah just for one show so (laughs) so yeah so the so the history was uh you know old school history is is toby and i met each other in 97 and became really close immediately the following year we became really close with matt and devin also guys in emory Toby and I had kind of our own band and I was a really lousy bass player and he was a very (laughs) gifted songwriter and really good singer too. And so we basically had our own band, our own vibe. It was, it was a really cool thing. Like in, in the South kind of an, an indie band like that, that does some screaming and really raw guitars and stuff that raised some eyebrows and people were like, wow, this is pretty cool. So then it was my idea to say, you know what, if we're going to take this thing serious, we need to move somewhere like Seattle. Hmm. So Toby and I had a conversation with Matt and Devin at a Mexican restaurant, basically saying, do you guys want to join our band? Because they were in a band that I don't think they were necessarily as excited about at that time. I don't know. But they we're like, yes, we want to do that. So yeah. the four of us formed a band. And then obviously a few months later, I was like, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See again. I, and, and by the way, I don't mean to dwell too much on like tooth and nail or, uh, Emery or bad Christian even. I just, I'm just trying to put it all together, but yeah, man, just to give people sort of like a background on, I, I say that just to kind of give people a background on like how I'm familiar with you and I think how many people might be familiar with you. And you also have a podcast called Pastor with No Answers. Mm -hmm. And I actually, you know, before I reached out. It's a killer podcast, dude. It's like really good. It really is. (laughs) Dude, I. um, It's funny for people on your listeners that don't know me. They're like, wow, that guy's kind of arrogant. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, but the title is Pastor with No Answers. So come on. How arrogant can I be? Right. Yeah. I I don't have answers, man. Come on. No. Uh, No, but I listened to a couple of buddies of ours came on your show, Dirty Rotten Church Kids. I listened to that episode. And then I listened to one of your more recent ones was uh, like literally just before I hit record, it was uh, titled Repenting from Bad Christian. Mm-hmm. And I was I was really taken aback by that. But all that to say, if it's all right with you and and we're happy to, you know, believe me, I, I think I sent you this. We have a no questions asked policy, meaning if there's anything you want to take out, we can take it out. But all that to say, I would love to talk about those kind of what stood out to me and love to just hear your perspective on not just the church, but like even like this, this weird kind of what we're doing right now, like this pocket of the internet, even on Twitter, these people who are having alternative conversations, you know what I mean? Right. On the topic of the church and God and Bible, all that stuff. But anyway, I guess what stuck out to me with that dirty rotten church kids episode was it really struck me as an older brother 
here, you, you being the older brother, kind of talking to like a couple of guys who are doing something very similar to Bad Christian. Um, yeah. And, and that's the thing is like, I remember when you guys first got started again, like one of the things that really, it really spoke to my little uh, emo heart again for that purpose. Like I was like, oh man, these guys get it. Um, yeah. And even our podcast, like refreshingly honest Christian, um, you know, by the way, if you ever like lie, you're really going to screw yourself. Big time. So <laughs> don't ever get caught in a lie. <laughs> yeah. No lies. No lies. That's true. That you, it's keeping me on my toes. Um, frick. Like if you're ever figured out to be a fraud, man, that name of that <laughs> is going to bite you hard. <laughs> That's true. Well, it's interesting. Like the naming of something I think is interesting. Like I remember when I first heard bad Christian, um, I, and I, and I, in the episode I listened to just before, you know, hitting record, it sounds like it was a little bit different, but I interpreted it as we are, cause a lot of us like have said that like, oh, I'm a bad Christian. I'm just not a good, I just, I, sometimes I cuss sometimes, you know, I know I'm not supposed to do this or that or whatever. But anyway, um, for me, like, it's like, my goal is like, this is what I'm trying to, uh, esteem to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like. I want to be refreshing. I want to be honest. And, uh, you know, as I've, another buzzword for a lot of people is like, as I deconstruct, as I reconstruct, as I go through all, all this stuff, you know, I'd like to keep my feet firmly planted in, in Christianity. Right. You know, but anyway, all that to say, I just, I found it so interesting that episode. Cause like, I feel like that is a very hot thing right now where it's like, Hey, what's your hottest take? as edgy as you can be. And it was just really interesting, man, listening to that episode. And by the way, like Josh and Adrian love those guys. They've been on our podcast and, you know, I think they're doing some pretty good work, but all that to say, man, I recently, I even said, I'd love to hear what you think of this, but I said, what if in deconstruction we used becoming cynical or jaded as a metric of missing the mark rather than losing our Christian faith? It's a better, more achievable goal for some and not a low barometer of success from what I've seen to getting better, not bitter. <laughs> so I think there's this idea in Christianity, like, okay, if you're, you know, you're asking the hard questions, you're deconstructing, you're being honest, you're going to, you know, you're going to follow the truth where it leads. You met, you're going to end up, you're not going to uh, stay rooted in Christianity. You're going to like real, you might become a heretic or you might whatever this and that and the other. But I just wonder, I don't know, man, like, <laughs> is anything sticking out to you as, as, as I kind of say this stuff or, um... yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, there's, there's two things that I'm thinking about. One is the, the spiritual journey for someone with deconstructing and changing and all of that. And, and I really do feel like that's kind of a personal journey Yeah, and something that is between them and, and God. The, the other side of what I hear you saying is becoming better and not bitter, for example, for me. And what that means is as I reflect and see a lot of the toxicity of the church and things that I really don't like, things that disgust me and things that also open my eyes to man, there's a, it's a lot of bullshit out there. And, and what, what I mean by a lot of bullshit out there is there's a, there's a great deal of things that we just kind of, let me put it this way. We, we have so much focus on, and it's a Western deal. We have so much focus on the right way of believing things. Mm. And then we read words from Paul and Jesus that talk way more about loving your neighbors. But it's like, for some reason we put belief at such this, this high level, like believing the right things and, oh yeah, forgetting the whole concept of faith and faith is, is a belief in things not seen. I, mean, I, I see faith as like a holding on to something, mm. but what it, what gets so jacked up because of how we have things situated is we then find these mostly men who have such a great way of communicating their beliefs and such an unbelievable way of kind of defending our faith. 
it makes us feel good. And so we put them up on this high pedestal and then (laughs) when they, when they are revealed to be who they actually are and things that are going on behind the scenes, we're just like, Oh my gosh, how, how did that happen? And I feel like we were the problem in the first place by seeing them as like these unbelievable, untouchable, better than us sort of people. So the, the better and not bitter for me is as I distance myself from those unhealthy parts of the church and notice I didn't say distance myself from the church, but as I distance myself from those unhealthy parts, I don't want to then have disdain and bitterness towards those people. It's like, I don't want to, (laughs) I don't want to uh, fall in to another religion that forgot how to love. I already left, I already left one religion that forgot how to love people Mm. and they put a belief system over any and everything. I already left that. Now I don't want to join another group of people that don't know how to love the very people that I feel like I've kind of distanced myself from. And I think when I say distance myself from what I mean by that is just, I'm not really there with them anymore with how they think and process. But a lot of them, I would still consider spiritual family. Yeah. I, I was talking to a woman for an upcoming episode of Pastor with no answers named Abby Norman. And I love what she said. It was like, you know, with your family, there are people in your family that you totally disagree with that even like annoy the hell out of you, but you're going to sit down with them, have dinner and you love them. Yeah. And if, if that's what church family is supposed to be like, then of course we're going to be in fellowship with people that make us mad, make us very frustrated, (laughs) makes us want to pull our hair out. I don't have any of that to pull out, but it's, uh, gosh, thinking about it that way. And, and, you know, one of the things that I, feel like having been separated from, from bad Christian, I, I feel like I was able to then see clearly the thought, the sort of thought patterns that I was falling into and, yeah. and what you probably heard from the bad Christian repentance episode. And that was this mentality of just putting people in boxes these fake christians suck and they don't have a story or a background that's worth even thinking about or contemplating they suck look what they did look at how they're not coming clean they suck 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 piss me off and 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 then i'm i end up being the good guy because i'm honest about my struggles and and they're the bad guys and it's life is just too short to hold humanity in that sort of a frivolous way. I mean, we're, we're all way, 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 way deeper. I could go on forever, man. Dude. Well, I love it. And I honestly, I'm just, thank you so much for being here. And and I really already so far, I mean that we could just take to the bank and we could be done and good. (laughs) But, uh, um, dude, I just have to say like, I, I, again, going back to to this, I said it earlier, but I, I really relate with you in particular so much on so many things, like you even mentioned mental health. You are a pastor. So that's just to give you a quick background. I spent some time working at a church. I'm no longer in vocational ministry, but anyway, I, I, you know, again, like every time I listened to you, I always, I was like, man, like, and you even said in that episode, like I kind of got the reputation as the one being, I don't know, like more balanced or like, the, the good guy. The good guy. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, you know, I've listened, gosh, man, I've listened to, and by the way, you interviewed Richard Rohr and I was so jealous uh, and I loved it and <laughs> you, you was so good, but. Well, especially said he's going to quote me on something. He, he literally said, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to quote you on that. I'm like, he never will, but man, just that you said that I, <laughs> I, I saved that sound bite. <laughs> yeah. Just press that button every time you need to feel better, dude. Yeah. 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 But dude, listen, I, I just, gosh, everything you just said, like, you know, that I've been guilty of that, even with, um, you know, kind of pointing the finger and everyone's fake, nobody's honest, it's all bullshit. Um, and I have to say, I guess, the, you know, the heart for me writing that was like, I was saying it to me because I, as I've been going through all this, I'm no longer, I would consider myself no longer to be con- deconstructing, yeah. uh, but I... I did see that in in myself, the tendency to, even with my own church community here where I live, which I love, but is also kind of tumultuous. I'm actually meeting with a guy from our church at 10 o'clock, one of my 
mentors and pastors. It's been the first time in forever. But all that to say, I, I guess what I'm saying is like I I've been trying to resist the temptation to become cynical and become jaded. And I, and I'll, I'll say this too, like not to shit on bad Christian, but like, <laughs> um, I remember being like, dude, like there was some times where I listened to them or I listened to even D- dirty rotten church kids. I'm like, man, sometimes I just want to freaking take a shower. Sometimes it's just so freaking negative. Yeah. But, uh, but I let, feel, let me, let me, do you mind if I stop you right there please, real quick? Please do. Yeah. Just, as you do that, because I think it's I think it's healthy to be able to see that and kind of you wanting to be in a different different space, and and this is going to sound very condescending, and I don't mean it that way. Please, but I do feel that not condescending to you, but I do feel that some people they need a long, hard, deep season of crazy cynicism, crazy. Yeah middle finger in the air to the church. Like I, I had to go through that season and now I'm just glad that I'm on the other side of that season. I think with a way more balanced, yeah, non-dualistic uh, uh, perception of the world. But I do think that that season is definitely necessary. And the reason why I don't yeah. want it to, to sound like, like, like I'm, I'm this great guy. Like I'm not saying that the dirty rotten church kids, for example, Oh, they just need to work this season out and then they'll be on the other side. <laughs> right. they, they, they may be totally fine and they're just having fun doing what they're doing. Yeah. But I, but I do think <clears throat> for people that are going through a season of, of bitterness, yeah. eventually the best thing for them is to let go of some of that bitterness yes. and I think uh, trade it in for something else. I appreciate you saying that. And I mean, really, I really do. Cause I feel like such a quote unquote uh, keyboard warrior for saying this, but I did say in that post, even in the captions, cause somebody reached out to me and basically said similar to what you said, but I told, I told them, I was like, Oh yeah, you're right. That isn't to say that those emotions that you just described, like don't come with the territory because that was, right. that was definitely most, most, case for me and I don't want to deny what I was privileged to have and I feel like I am on a uh, you know like you said I feel like I have exchanged some of that bitterness for maybe a little bit more I don't know like joy or hopefulness or something something that's like not I don't know yeah all that yeah like Priscilla and I we started a, a house church gosh it was like I don't know four or five years ago part of the uh effects of my mental health crisis in 2019 was that kind of not being a thing anymore. Mm. But I look back on it and it really did run its necessary course because that group, although community is the most important thing and we had it, it was also a church recovery group. Like literally every time we got together, the main thing that we were talking about was hurts from the church uh, frustrations with the hypocrisy in the church. Yeah. And near the end of that, Priscilla and I and some other people just started to feel like, okay, but what's on the other side of this? Like, are we, are we really going to get together every single week and talk out the same frustrations and and bitterness? And maybe some people did need more time to do that, but we started getting to a place where we're like, okay, what's on the other side of this now? Like, we're, we're done processing that. Let's, yeah. let's move on to something else. Well, that's the thing is you did the kicking and screaming. You did the hard, difficult, maybe sometimes ugly work. And that, I think that's what is difficult is for some is that's all they see. Like I even have a buddy who is in a marriage that his wife is maybe a little bit more, I don't know, jaded or kind of cynical towards the church. And he sees that all the stuff that she sees, but he's kind of on the other side. And I feel like he's moved on a little bit. I think for me, the point is just don't stay there. Take as long as you need, please. Absolutely. I think many of us get discouraged when we feel like people are trying to rush through that process. I just think at the end of the day, you can't really build a house in bitterness or or resentment. I mean, you just can't. But just to switch gears for a second, I came across this article on NPR and it says, Christians turn to podcasts to, to say things they can't say in church. And you scroll down and I see this this mug that I'm looking at right now, yours. <laughs> and uh, this came out in, it looks like 2017, but 
going back yeah. to this idea of I don't want to butter your bread too much here, but just just know that I'm just I'm a, I'm a big fan of yours and I, I oh, appreciate dude, lather it on, man. I can use all of I can get. <laughs> yeah. No, but I really I really do appreciate your voice and all this. But I, I I going back to this idea of paving the way, you know, bad Christian. I feel like even the liturgists like that was kind of mentioned in the Dirty Rotten Church Kids episode is like they actually look to you guys in many ways. You kind of in a way like you set an example for better or worse, we all have our shortcomings, but you kind of set an example. And, it, you know, I remember listening to you guys early on and being like, man, this is so life-giving and helpful to me because it feels like, yeah, that, that's the thing is we don't talk about this stuff in church. We don't talk about some of our more difficult emotions, really. I, I guess what I'm trying to get at with that is as sort of like a, a front runner, if you will, or as somebody who's kind of doing something that hasn't really been done <laughs> not yep. to like overstate it but of course you're gonna make some mistakes so you're gonna kind of get it wrong here or there and so I don't know man I just I just I guess I say that as an encouragement to you because I, I in that up ep- that episode of repentance or whatever I did get a sense from you like maybe like not maybe not regret that's not the right word but like maybe like grief in some sense I just hope for you you don't see just all the bad but also a lot of the good that you brought to a lot of people, myself included. And it in in those mistakes that are on display, like publicly mistakes, you know what I mean? I feel like it allows other people to learn from them. Um, yep. And I just think that's a beautiful thing at the end of the day. So anyway, I just I just want to encourage you. <laughs> I, no, hope- I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I mean, it's, it's obviously always a, I mean, who who doesn't like to hear that we, paved some sort of a way like I mean that's an ego stroker for sure and I and, and I don't even say that negatively that's just human nature like that definitely makes me feel good yeah. and I and I do I do appreciate those sentiments and I agree I, I I totally agree like we definitely provided a space that at the time really didn't exist yeah it was like we we uh, the liturgist was like the Martin Luther King version. We were like the Martin Lawrence version. So, <laughs> so like we we were not serious, but j- we were just going to talk out our our, our thoughts and yeah. and and have fun while we were doing them. And you know, it's it's interesting. Anytime I have these sorts of conversations, and I you know, I'm 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 working on on talking about some of the bad Christian stuff. Mm. uh a, a little bit more over time but i think that i think honestly where we found ourselves out, i mean outside of a ton of stuff that was going on behind the scenes but i think the reality was that and, and again not condescending to the other co- co-host matt and toby but i feel like i started to find myself it was like my soul was craving to be on the other side mm. of all of this stuff. Mm. And I feel like they maybe wanted to double down. Yeah. They, they did like, and, and actually be more resolute and, and honestly for good reason too. Yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't like dismiss their reasons for that. Like I, I, I get it. Yeah. I don't think everybody's supposed to be on the same path. Yeah. But so it's not like a universal, everybody needs to be doing something the the same way, but I would say a universal great thing for all of us is don't look at people so dualistically. Yeah. And I never like, as, as you know, you mentioned never wanting to lose sight of, of your faith. And that's the most, the, the dearest thing for me and when it comes to my faith and my Christianity is I never want to lose sight of father, forgive them for they know not what they've done. Mm. I never want to lose sight of that. And so that applies to having a softening of abusive pastors. Mm-hmm. I mean that golly, I, I, I haven't released this episode yet, but I interviewed a guy who is a strategist for the Exodus road. And that's an organization that's strategically going after cells of human trafficking and like literally trying to shut them down. And 
oh my gosh, like I would say, <laughs> and lucky, lucky for you, man, you're going to, your, your listeners are going to hear it first, but it was the biggest, holy shit moment mm. of pastor with no answers. When this guy told me, he said, there would be times when it was my job to get to know these human traffickers. Mm -hmm. He said, so we would literally share beer together, share food together, share laughs together. And then the next day I would see them handcuffed, taken away. And he said, what's crazy about humanizing people is my reaction wasn't a screw you guys, screw you evil pieces of shit. You got what's coming to you. Mm -hmm. It was more of a, golly, I hate, I hate, I hate that they got caught up into that. I hate that the love of money is just so big mm -hmm. that it would cause you. And, and I mean, again, the guy that humanized these human traffickers, he's putting his money where his mouth is. He's actually the one on the front line shutting this stuff down. So I'm not saying that he's humanizing these guys and giving them an excuse. I right. mean, it's the, we all know it's the most evil atrocity going on in our, our, our planet right now is human trafficking. Yeah. But the fact that spending time with a fellow human being allowed him to even humanize them had me stumped. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, I, that's where I always want to be. Yeah. I always want to be when I say negative stuff about, Stephen Furtick, for instance, the mega church pastor in Charlotte. I mean, I, I, I feel like we do need to be speaking openly, especially those of us who still have an investment in the church. I think it's important that we kind of draw some lines in the sand and say, hey, I'm not that. Mm. But I always want to be able to say, I'm a human. He's a human. I've got my struggles. He's got his struggles. My struggles are based on my upbringing and life experiences. His are too. I may have had the benefit of people who would speak hard truths in my life. He may not have. Yeah. I may have just been built to receive criticism a little more. He may not have. Right. I mean, it's just like I, I, I don't, I don't want to ever lose sight of that. I mean, do I, do I think that that dude is, is jacked up and it's a very unhealthy place? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but. Father, forgive them. Yeah. They don't know what they're doing. And if Jesus could say that yeah. to the people that just did that to him, yeah. then I should be able to say that to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, if, if that's what I'm, if, if that's my aim, yeah. then it kind of leaves me without excuse, I would say. That's good, man. Gosh, everybody go back like two minutes and listen to that again, because that was so good. And I mean that Joey, I, that's so humbling, and I think if we actually believed that, those words from Jesus himself, like, no, we don't actually know what we're doing. And I think it's interesting, specifically between brothers and sisters in Christ, let's just say it that way, <laughs> uh, yeah. like, I think we tend to give, I've said this even, like, I have, I've said this on this podcast, like, I have actually less grace for Christians, for whatever reason. Right. And I think it stems from... I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this, but I think it stems from this feeling of like, well, you should know better. You, mm -hmm. you know, you've been in the church long enough. You get all the nuance, all this, that, and the other. But it's like, well, what if they actually don't know what they're doing? Like, I don't mm -hmm. think we actually believe that enough. And I actually said this recently. Personal responsibility is just as important, if not more so, than holding others accountable. And it made me think of another Jesus line. First, take the plank out of your own eye. Yeah. For, like so you can see better and help remove the sliver in your brother's eye. And I think, you know, in this whole like sort of progressive, weird Christian corner of the internet or whatever you want to call it, there's this high premium on accountability. Um, mm. This idea of like Twitter mob or cancel culture, which I think has its validity and it has its place. But something that we talked about recently was can it go too far? And I think it can. I, I even um, came across, literally just happenstance, I came across an episode that you recorded a long time, it seems like a long time ago, with Alyssa Childers talking about like the danger of progressive Christian thought and all that. Yeah. And and I think many people, like and maybe you would pick up on this as well, people would consider me a lefty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, you're quoting Richard Rohr? Like, oh, right. Rob Bell? Yeah, to a lot of Christians, you're gone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
but yeah, man, like this idea of I'm going to hold your feet to the fire and I'm going to point the finger at you. It's like, dude, like Jesus literally calls you the hypocrite because you're finger wagging. But I mean, anything stick out in that? Like, what do you like? What are you hearing in, in that? I mean, I think that I think the reason why it's tougher for us when it's when it's Christians is because that's something that we haven't let go of. And so there's an element of, listen, you represent us, like knock it off. (laughs) Like you, 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 you represent us. Can you please stop acting like you're better than everybody else? Yeah. And I, and, and I think it's, I think it's a great thing for us to be so frustrated when we look at pastors and church cultures and, and we're like, what Jesus are you reading from? Like what, who are you listening to? Like, I, I don't even understand a culture in which a pastor walks into a room and and everybody has to stand up. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's a church I know of where one part of the main hall, you do not dare walk in because that hall belongs to the pastor. I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I'm like, you are not modeling your life after Jesus. Yeah. Like the dude who washed feet of his disciples. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, so yeah, I mean, golly, I think it's, uh, it would be weird if we weren't more frustrated about Christians, but I think the gut check is to remind ourselves that that's a hot button for us. Like, I mean, here's uh, probably a really weird example, but I don't think you nor myself will have the same triggering reaction to a drunk driver, for instance. Like we just think, man, that's just stupid. Come on. They should know better, but we're not going to have this trigger of like deep anger. Mm. But what about the parent that actually lost their child to a drunk driver? Mm. Like whole different story. So I think it just kind of depends on our individual context. Yeah. And for, for you and I, it's, it's like, man, please let's, let's stop this overt hypocrisy. We're all hypocrites to some degree because we all don't do what we want to do for instance. Yeah. But, but when we don't admit it and we pretend to be something we're not, that's just inexcusable hypocrisy and mm. it better die soon. Uh, you know, I, I just, I think over time, some of this unhealthy stuff, will die out with the people that are following it. Yeah. <laughs> I know that sounds really dark and grisly, but I really do think that it will it will take time. But man, this future generation, they can see bullshit from a mile away. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I agree. And uh yeah, I think our our <laughs> yeah, our radar is maybe a little bit more sensitive in that regard. And yeah. Uh yeah. Um gosh. Well, um, (laughs) this, I, this idea of repentance, I know some people, um, myself included might have perhaps depending on who you are, a strong reaction to a word like that. But I loved what you said in the episode. You're like a lot of us, you know, you said like the street corner preacher, like it's like moldy lettuce. (laughs) Yeah. And I want to turn it. What'd you say? I want to turn it into lucky charms. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to play that sound effect you played uh, right now. Uh, But um, it made me think of this, another Richard Rohr line, and we can begin to close with this. I want to respect your time. But I just said this, if we do not transform our pain, we will most assuredly transmit it. Yeah. And uh, it's it's like that that cliche saying, hurt people, hurt people. (laughs) But it's, you know, it's cliche for a reason, right? Like we all hear that and- First time we heard it, we're like, yeah, that's good. And then after the 10th or 12th, you're like, whatever. But, you know, for me, honestly, man, like, I think one of the things that I, again, like the reason why I relate to you so much, and one thing that's really interesting to me is that you were able to be a pastor at a church, at a physical place somewhere in a a, a real community, in a real, you know, place in time somewhere, not just online. I find that really Interesting, because I'll tell you this, like, I have absolutely, in the course of this podcast, dismissed myself from being able to, from that being an option, because I'm like, oh, I can't be honest if I work at a church. Right. 
And I think you, for me, like, it really has given me a lot of courage and hope, honestly. I loved the end of that episode. Like, is, is the guy, is he the senior pastor? I don't know his name, but he... Had, yeah, he's he's the lead pastor. His father started the church back in 88, and so now he's kind of taken the reins of the premier leader, I guess you'd call him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, I just loved what... He, he was just so encouraging to you and like, Joey, like, I... I know what you think. Like, we've known each other for years. I just loved being able to see that. It was really encouraging to me. It actually gave me a lot of hope because I, yeah. I, I do consider myself a pastor. And I love the way you define it, even on Dirty Rotten Church Kids. You're like, not just the guy speaking and on stage or whatever, but somebody, this idea of a shepherd caring for people, right. helping people, and not as like a, you know, quote unquote, spiritual authority. And I'm going to give you the truth, but like, yeah, hey, I've got my own stuff. And you've been so honest about, your you know struggles with mental health like just so you know like I took my anxiety medication just before coming on and and it's working down there like sometimes you know what I mean but anyway I just want to go back to this idea of pain and 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 repentance so like for me man I the reason I even started this whole podcast was because I had a lot of pain from the church you know some stuff didn't work out the way that I thought it would and it felt like through no fault of my own and I was just discouraged, and that had a lot to do with me questioning my faith. And yeah. um, and uh, all that to say, from what I saw is like, hey, like Joey seems like he's gone through some some shit, some stuff that really hurt him. But I think what was so beautiful to me was like you were able to recognize that and say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to transfer I'm not going to bleed on people who didn't hurt me. I'm not going to, you know, infect that in others. And so like, dude, I just, I just want to applaud you and let you know how important that is. Cause I, it's, it's, it's humbling. I, I, like, I'm sure you feel that way to, to admit that like, Hey, I've, I maybe said some things or did some things that I regret, like repentance, this idea, like, can you speak on that? I'm rambling here. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, it's, it's once again, being on the like you uh, let's see there's there's uh tons of different directions i can go here i'll say this and not to not to put a damper on some of your hope but you've heard me say this plenty of times too that you and i know daggum well that a church like seacoast in the south seen as an evangelical church where the lead pastor knows where I stand in being gay affirming mm-hmm. and leaning towards universal reconciliation mm-hmm. by Jesus's work. I mean, just those two things right there would cancel me out of 99.9% mega church, <laughs> uh, mega churches in America. Yeah. So, I'd say, unfortunately, like, like if that gives you hope in in the human spirit and the fact that there are pockets where people can be together and be on kind of different wavelengths, way different wavelengths from a theological perspective, then I would say that's good. But I don't, I don't think that's the norm. And what I love so much, I just finished reading Brian McLaren's Faith After Doubt. And there are arbitrary phases. You, he even said, I'm making four phases. You can, you know, I think Roar made 10 phases or whatever. But the the last phase of deconstruction is kind of like the reconstruction, the deeper rooted belief system in love mm-hmm. and love and not uh, having to judge so many different things and all the black and white and all of that. And he said that the last thing he wants for people to take away is that I'm saying that stage four are the most seasoned and the most wisest and the ones that have arrived. I think he literally said that repulses me. So I think, and I love that he said that. I think what a lot of people are, mm, they're not on the other side of their deconstruction. And so they don't know the joy that awaits, but having gone through what I've gone through, people that are still in that stage one black and white in or out fundamentalism, I can, I can find some good in that. I can, I can honor the good in those people. 
I can see them as completely on equal footing as I am as a fellow human being. And I can even, I can even celebrate that because that, that actually has some good stuff in it. I'll give you one. We found out in that stage that there's a God and it ain't us. And so that right there is a, is a beautiful truth that we all picked up in that sort of black and white mentality. And so it's just, it all, it feels so good just to not like I'm, I'm in fellowship with mostly Christians and I do some, some, I've got an online community where this is not the case. It's really cool, by the way, we should talk about it sometime, but I, as far as my local community, most people that I fellowship with disagree on me with many different things. Mm. And I'm not afraid of that anymore. I used to be Mm. like, it used to plague me where now I'm like, Oh, that's, that's even more beautiful. Yeah. And to recognize that everybody's on a, on a journey, Yeah, you know, I mean, people, yeah. I mean, I, I'll even, uh, I'll even encounter uh, a racist statement here and there. And that gives me an opportunity just to maybe help someone go just a little bit further in their deconstructing of not realizing that they are still racist. And as, and all this being said too, is this, you got to be a part of a community where you say, you know what, we're, we're not perfect. In fact, this week has been a very frustrating uh, church, like, frustrated with some things about our church. And I I think I even tweeted, Hey, if you're not frustrated with the church or organization that you're a part of, you're never frustrated, then there's probably something wrong with you and your relationship with your church. So I am that, that stuff doesn't bring fear anymore. But, but what I was getting at with that is I'm no matter what right now, I'm still a part of a church that, by and large, I get with, yeah. like I, you know, I, 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 I couldn't be here if it got to a point where every single thing going on, I, I rubbed me the wrong way, or I felt like I needed to push back. I mean, just, just some, some highlights of Seacoast. We have women pastors, mm. like legit licensed pastors, females. We, when, when all of the uh, police brutality and the ensuing, uh, rioting happened we gave people of color the platform so to speak and got a lot of complaints about going political so yeah i'm definitely part of a community that we're trying man like Mm. we really are it's uh and and we're failing in many areas but hey we're trying i love that man yeah i think what you just described there and we can begin to close but um you, you what you're doing really phenomenally. And I think I saw you tweet like it's been maybe like a a discouraging week or something like that. It's been a a tough week. Um, And I think we, that'll always be the case. Like it's never perfect in the end. And this idea of super bloom, right? Right. You gave a talk and you put that in, in that episode. And um, you know, yes, you're going to go through these, this wildfire, this like kind of sort of refining your faith which is painful and it's and it's hard and all of that, but there is hope on the other side and there is beauty. Like you're like that. Tell me if that's your favorite, not your favorite word, super blue. Right, right. <laughs> but anyway, all that to say, man, I guess it's just encouraging for me to watch because that's the thing is like I, wh- what I really came down to was like what you believe. It, I don't really care what you believe as much as like how you actually live. Like, right. are you a kind person? Can we be in a room together and like, talk like this face to face and you know rob bell talks about like your intellectual furniture like who cares about that like are you are you forgiving are you loving are you all that and obviously like those two don't always because you can have correct theology you can have great progressive views but you could still be a pretty shitty person if i'm honest yeah <laughs> so, yeah anyway yeah, and 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 it's it's ironic because that makes some christians squirm in their seats what you just said but mm. yours is the more biblical view mm. wow you can't get away from it mm. like you cannot get away from it you know how many times <laughs> paul and jesus talk about doing and loving and how little they say, make sure you have the correct beliefs. 
I mean, it's astounding when you look at it and then you're like, whoa, how did we get so far off track? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of sound bites, I'm going to take that one. Your, yours is the biblical view. I'm going to take that one to the bank, there Joey. Thank you. There uh, you go. There you go. <laughs> well, listen, man, I, I wanna, I'm going to let you go. I really appreciate you coming on. We should do this again sometime if you're, if you're up for it. And I would encourage all of our listeners to go check out your podcast, Pastor With No Answers. Where else can we find you? All that stuff. Where can you find me? Well, I'm on Facebook. There's only one Joey Svensson in the whole planet, which is pretty cool. And then at Joey Svensson on Instagram and Twitter. And like I said, there's there's some cool things a brewing, man. Mm. Behind the scenes, a growing community, operating kind of like a online progressive. But I say progressive, but conservatives are welcome also. Basically uh, a loving community that meets regularly, takes care of one another, and mm. Definitely some things going on. So at some point, I'll probably have a home base website for all of this stuff, kind of working on it at the early stages. But uh, so I have to get back to you on that one. But Sounds good. Joey Svensson. Joey Svensson. Well, awesome, man. Any final words, any final thoughts as we wrap up? Like, I feel like we, we covered a lot, but at the same time, like we just scratched the surface. Like, what would you say to anybody who's listening? Like some of the stuff that we talked about, what, what would be your benediction, if you will? What would be a, an encouragement, anything like that? What would you say? Yeah. Hmm. I'll, do you have any conservatively minded listeners? We do. Yeah. I think we're yeah. more predominantly like, uh, probably more progressive minded people, but yeah. I think I like to think that we make space for pretty much everybody. Yeah. 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 Well, for those who are who are deconstruction and you're kind of afraid about it, maybe guilty about it, think that maybe you'll be punished about it. Let me, let me drop this one on you. So you are deconstructing out of this belief system where there is a God that created billions and billions of people, many of them who will never hear about Christianity. For those who have heard about Christianity, it's still hard to understand. And there's so many people that say, I wish I believed in a God. That would be awesome. Please tell me how to believe in God. Please help me believe in God. I just can't. I'm having a hard time. And then there's some people that hear about the gospel, but it still doesn't make any sense. And so they just kind of push it away a little bit. Mm. So in other words, you have this God who created billions of people, didn't make how things really work super obvious. It's kind of a riddle that even a lot of Christians are stumbling over. And he's decided that he's, he's a loving God, but he's decided that these people who didn't solve the puzzle and didn't hear about the puzzle, you're all burning in hell forever and ever <laughs> and ever. So if you are deconstructing out of that, like, and I'm being serious, I'm being, being kind of funny, but I'm being serious. Mm. Please let that be a foundation of like, give yourself permission to say that cannot be how things are. Mm. Like it just can't if, and, and if so, then we have a pathetic baby of a God mm. that ain't really worth serving anyway. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> that'll do it man well listen i i appreciate you coming on seriously man i uh I, how was this for you was this all right it's fun man it's fun i hope you know i meant every word i think you're doing really good stuff and again obviously it's not easy but dude you're it's really it's really i i see less and less people doing balanced nuanced interesting not just work, but just like working it out. Like, yeah, not frustrating. That is so uncommon. <laughs> it really is. Like, yep. I think you you might have seen you saw that post where I was like, "Hey, who are some exceptions to pastors that are doing good, albeit yeah. good?" Like, like you were like you were one of those people on that list, and kind of people came at me. Like, I know some of the people on that list were maybe questionable, like Judah Smith or whatever. But yeah, man, I not to say that you can do no wrong or anything like that. I just hope you know how much I admire you and respect you from far away so just keep yeah. it up keep it up man i appreciate it man thanks for the opportunity there you have it all right joey svenson pastor with no answers check out his podcast he 
is an awesome guy. Thanks so much for coming on, my friend. It's uh, it's really helpful, incredible work that you're doing. And uh, this has just been a good podcast. Don't you agree? I'm just going to say it. I'm going to name it and claim it in the name of our Lord. So there it is, my friends. Thanks so much for tuning in. My name is David Metcalf. As always, to getting better, not bitter. Until next time. Bye.